In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, John Orr, SVP of Retail Strategy and Execution at Ceridian HCM. John, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Bobby. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I know uh, how busy things can get, so again, appreciate you taking some time out to spend some time with us and our listeners and, and share some of your expertise. Looking forward to uh, kind of digging in. And uh, really learning a little bit about you to start. Why don't you give us a little bit of an intro about yourself, and then, then we can kind of roll into Ceridian and, and learn about the company. I've been fortunate enough to work with probably 400 retail brands worldwide in my career of almost 30 years now, focused in operations and finance from a human capital management perspective. I uh, work for Ceridian. We are a human capital management company headquartered in Toronto, Ontario, and Minneapolis, Minnesota. And with operations across North America, Europe, Asia Pacific, Japan, Ceridian employs about 6,000 people, has over 5,500 customers in 50 countries across the globe. And we focus on making work life better for our retailers. Awesome. 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 Uh, John, why don't you walk, uh, just so our listeners get to know the company a little bit more, walk, walk us through like maybe a, a few kind of customer use cases, uh, how they use your, your platform. And how how you guys you know solve any sort of problems that you you solve for them as as, as retailers? We span all sectors of retail, and and in our vernacular, retail includes hospitality. You know, Boston markets. We've got DSW, Lululemon, Sephora, Michael Kors. Then we have uh, Longos, Stater Brothers. From a grocery perspective, and it's really a combination of combining the power of what used to be disparate systems across talent, workforce, and payroll management. And we came to market generally available in 2012 with Ceridian with a single application approach. And it's a platform that provides human resources, payroll benefits, workforce management, and talent management in a single solution. And it's one of the industries first, including you know on-demand pay solution that comes with a day sports wallet focusing on offering employees flexibility to access their wages, their earnings, as well as the work-life balance across the different domains of human capital management. What do you solve for these companies? Like, what does Ceridian do for these companies? That Why do they come back? Why do they come back and work with, with, with you folks there? I think they, you know, they buy the technology and the platform and they stay for service. And we're very committed to our customers within our, our values uh, that are called our way. And we use that uh, internally as well as our customers. But we really help enable higher performing retail and hospitality organizations by compressing business cycles, streamlining processes, opening up access and visibility to information, and doing a, a lot of processing of data to provide information in real time so that intelligent human capital management decisions can be made. So 
you know, our audience, you know, they've had a need for speed their whole careers. And we've really tackled that. We reduce SGNA. We help lift sales and conversion. It's about a 15 to 42 basis points impact on net profit margin, which wow. helps improve company valuation to the mid, mid to high single digits overall, depending on the evolution of the company and their operations. What are some of the challenges that these uh, brick and mortar retailers face uh, regarding the you know, really workforce and, and talent management these days? I think today the challenges they face are attraction, of course, um, retention, and really taking that shift and moving from what used to be a kind of a just everyone accepted high turnover. And I think uh, the impact of last year really really uh, helped accelerate a lot of things in our customer base and across the marketplace in terms of many of them that still needed to work on the digital side, order fulfillment, supply chain. uh, They're very focused on that. But we've certainly seen an improvement and rise in the importance of the employee and how more and more companies are addressing that and attacking it. In your view, does workforce management technology make an impact on on brick and mortar stores, retail stores? Absolutely, it does get even more gnarly every every year for our retail and hospitality operations. So compliance is a big issue to remain compliant, and much of that legislation spans, you know, the operations, the talent, the payroll side of things. Workforce management compliance, of course, and really helping to optimize the labor spend people and skills, budgets, and ensure that the right people are where they need to be doing the right things to help deliver the promise on the the brand, whether it's a product or service or both, and just putting the right people in the right time at the right place with the right information. And a huge aspect of it most recently is the engagement element. We've all read various research around the 34, whether it's uh, PwC's uh, 34% profitability advantage to retailers working in the top quartile of engagement. Those that engage the best enjoy a 34% profitability advantage, which is about, uh, according to Gallup, a 20% productivity improvement year over year. And it just, if the employee feels and is engaged in their company and their work, they're going to be more productive. The customers are going to see it, feel it, and enjoy it themselves. And it's really, it, it comes down to the combination of culture and systems. Uh, we think that employee engagement is a combination of those two cult systems. And, you know, on one hand, we did some research with RSR this past year. You know, majority of retail executives put a high importance on employees for delivering their brand promise to the markets, the consumer, and there's only two-thirds are deploying self-service to their employees. And it sounds like a small thing, but uh, with over a million directions per day on the Dayforce mobile device, it's the golden nugget a lot of our customers have found because the employees are most vested in themselves and they have the best view of their work life and how to balance that the best for them, whether it's uh, use A4S Wallet to access earnings in real time, which is a very unique offering we have. As you punch out or as you earn, actually use and leverage your earnings at no no expense to the employee, no expense to the um, company as, as well. But just things, uh, managing, swapping shifts, 
availability, communication is huge. Certainly with COVID, the ability to communicate, conduct uh, health and safety awareness uh, was very important. And those that didn't have that communication capability, I think, struggled a little bit. And yeah, one of the things that you said that's uh, super interesting that I hear a lot about lately is, is that engagement side. Dig into that a little bit more. Like, what? Why is that important? I know you just you touched on it, of course, but if you can drill in in a little bit more detail, why that's important, and also what are what are some things that that maybe Ceridian is thinking about uh, the future of uh, of engagement? Are there things that you're uh, you're you're thinking about here um, to to continue to increase that level of engagement with employees? I think some of it you, you can't overlook the tech ecosystems that a lot of our you know retail hospitality organizations have some. Stay, uh, stay current, other than on what sector they're in, but most have experienced of agility and responsiveness in their systems, whether it's supply chain, order management, visibility of inventory, and the like. But many are just refocusing on the importance of the employee and their engagement. 65%, as I stated a little bit earlier, 65% of the Many of the companies said employees today must fulfill orders, you know, placed from other than stores or other child ship, whether it's dark kitchen stores. And then 70% of performance leading retailers have doubled down on the importance of customer facing employee employees and their, their impact on sales and customer experience. So the engagement is very crucial today more and more, but it also extends to sick pay, leave, PTO policy changes, even the aspect of some of the KPIs. And, you know, there's a flip side to it as well. They're also more interested in performance and things like that. So it's uh, NPS scores from their customers where they are. So the flexibility is important to retain. I think the top two reasons why employees leave are poor managers, number one. Number Two is is that the powers and most of the ERP type companies have it's been a disservice to retail hospitality companies. The systems are all disparate, purchased over time, kind of cobbled together uh, with portals put on top, but it it doesn't address the speed and real awareness of the systems and the flexibility that a lot of retailers needed this year. And many of them found it a little bit cumbersome with the disparate system. So engagement is really the outcome. If if you have a single application managing the recruiting, the learning, the career progression, how they're managed at work and their availability and work-life balance and flexibility beyond a single location or brand. So we came to market with a very flexible system that's agile. The employees, if they're able to access all these different parts of the human capital management system, they actually become engaged in the process instead of just being subject to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. As you're uh, kind of working with different retailers, are there other methods and tools that you've seen you know, retailers deploy to really manage and maintain kind of their workforce, both during the pandemic, but also kind of coming out of the pandemic? There are certain things we call our uh, team relate, but it's uh, other like health and safety, emotional, physical monitoring of people. It's really 
caring as much as we're all trying to do one-to-one marketing with our customers and their experience, the same holds true for, for the employees. So you're seeing a lot more voice interactive devices to manage, you know, the work life and predictability and fairness and just, uh, just extending the provision of care through self-service, just a single access point with the most current and accurate information available. And really, it's what we found is that you can reduce the administrative of management, whether they're in a or at the store or at, at the facility or site or property, by about 66% offloading that high volume interaction that the employees can actually initiate and do themselves. And so it's efficient for the company and then provisions much more service and communication to the employees themselves. Have you worked with any customers that you've kind of worked with them to improve really their in-store performance of their employees? Yeah, most of them we have. We do a lot of, you know, schedule people and skills optimization. We also have embedded, you know, task management systems. So it really helps optimize the labor spend, but also optimize the right person with the right skills doing the right things, which certainly is better slotting. It's very objective, but also with the scheduler and the task management, we're able to provide direction on what they need to be doing down to the activity level during every shift. And it can be very collaborative or very specialized. So like a Barnes and Noble, it's a multi-floor, very complex type of operation, but they operate like a small specialty retailer where everyone, whether you're a barrister in the cafe or uh, replenishing books and logging books, and everyone can do everything. Whereas at Sephora, they're very specialized and what each stage member does on a daily basis, very individually focused with each customer. So the activities and, and their world are much more complicated than Barnes and Noble in terms of collaboration and specialty, but they still need to optimize, you know, the people the best they can to deliver the superior experience. You touched on some of the task management stuff. Is that, does your system give people the ability, uh, because we get this question actually a lot from retailers that we work with, does it give the ability to be able to tie that into kind of a review process or do, do companies use the task management in a way for the retail employees to then tie that into performance and reviews and, and, and all the like that goes into performance management? Yeah, they, they certainly do. I, I think first it was more of a communication loop and ability to provide visibility from corporate or division or region down into the location or property to make sure certain things are being done, whether product recall or some visual display or end cap for a grocer or floor set change. And so it was really more operational. But more and more over the past few years, we've integrated those tasks and the communication of them into the optimization itself so that we're actually incorporating what was before just expected to be done by corporate. And it was pulling on the operations in the uh, property or the site. So we're able to help see help our customers see the difference between the direct service work and some of this task work. And we've certainly, uh, these past few years, have seen that grow into performance reviews in terms of measuring 
you know, whether it's uh, units per hour or individual sales per, per hour by associate, but combined with some of the time and attendance and reliability type information, it paints a really good picture and uh, literally colorful within Dayforce of, you know, the reliability of the individual, uh, what their performance is. And many are still working with more of a team approach. I think the majority are, which is understandable. But I think more and more as retail is reopening at different at a different rate throughout the world, even by state, uh, by country, the need to be even more efficient as they ramp back up to what we hope will be 2019 levels by the end of this year. They've got to be much more discerning with their um, you know, profitability equation. As you're uh, working with different retailers, I assume you're, you probably also talk about right the changes in buyer behavior and how some some of that's changed over the over the years. Is there guidance that you give to retailers on, I guess, changes that have happened in the consumer behavior patterns that you try to help with or give guidance on? Absolutely, that's a good question, Bobby. I think you know everyone knows it's about a superior experience whether you're delivering a product, a service, or both. And we've, you know, it's it's interesting. You were just speaking about task management, but what we've certainly seen and advise on is more and more today. Some of the, the the top three value drivers are have to do with the dimensions of service quality, tangibility, reliability, and empathy. The top three. So from a tangible aspect, typically tasks and administrative things that we all have to do. And before COVID. They had to be done when no one could see them. It was kind of get that done when nobody's around or hide it. But today, if you're talking about tangibles, cleanliness of the environment, personal hygiene, floor, the restrooms at the end of the day, we all want to see this because individually we'll, we'll level off at our own personal comfort or, or safety level. Reliability is certainly one about the ability to perform the promised service dependably and accurately. And then, and then empathy which I hope persists way beyond COVID perpetually, but it's really about caring about individuals and the attention to their needs. And so as the pandemic impacted and accelerated the digital shop and order with all the different local pickup, curbside, things we've talked about, the caring aspects of the employee and the customers seem to have really elevated. And so we help our customers see the difference between their harmonized revenue models. As the shift of work and workers has occurred, it was coming anyway. It was just accelerated last year. And so we're, we're able to be flexible and agile and, and help them see how to add additional indicator, performance indicators, how to track different drivers to help really have a better picture of where people need to be and what type of service and level of service needs to occur. What are some of your kind of favorite in-store and location experiences that you've seen or as you kind of, you know, either favorite places to shop or favorite places to visit that you've seen over, over the coming years? Mine's kind of interesting. Uh, I'll first tell you, Bobby, about what I, you know, experiential retail certainly is, is, is coming in a bunch of different flavors, whether it's uh, with DSW that we spoke about earlier or Sephora or, you know, Guitar Center, et cetera. But mine... And then camp, of course, that just came on in Brooklyn. I think they even their tagline is family experience company. And in, instead of a, a toy shop, 
And it's a very immersed experience where you immerse yourself into the environment that they've built, which is pretty awesome. Kind of like, uh, you know, the, the Papa's restaurants did many years ago with the yeah. aesthetics of Papa Do's and things like that. But my experience was a little different. It's a little unique. And I, and I don't hear many people talking about this, but it's with Kohl's and Amazon. And it went beyond the product. But this one affected me very personally and helped me serve my parents. And my dad, he's 88. He passed away about a month ago. But he, it's very easy to double and triple order things online if you're elderly. You know, you receive three pair of identical shoes from my mom. It was just fretting about it. They're worried about how to credit their card back and how to return it and where does it go. Five minutes, literally minutes around the corner was a Kohl's. And the fact that they offer Amazon returns in their stores made it extremely easy for me to serve my parents and, and be a good son, right? And so to me, I said, that was an amazing experience. It, it's not yeah. what people typically think about. But for them to help me help my parents that way certainly ingratiated their brand to me. And of course, yeah. you know, when I, I got my receipt, it had a lot of discount codes and things on the back. So it was, you know, enticing me to convert. But I, I thought that was a very unique experience personally that I had that I think gets to the crux of what experiential retail is also. Absolutely. That's a great example. As you're thinking about this, you actually, you know, we, we pinpointed a few interesting things. Engagement in the store is important from an employee standpoint. The experience that, you know, the customers provided is important. How do you feel like those two things come together? Like, uh, you know, I think part of the focus here is focusing on that employee engagement because you want to provide that superior experience to, to customers, both with technology and with people, right? How do you think the employee engagement cycle comes together with that customer experience? How do you bring it all together as a retailer? Yeah, I think uh, I'm sure you've been to NRF like many of us have. When yeah. you go to the smoothie booth in the back, you know, this little, you get a little smoothie in the back and that yeah. person back there is just ha hating life, right? Yeah. I mean, you walk <laughs> up and you, you see it, you feel it, and you feel sorry for them, you know, that they're just hating it. They're not very engaged, but they, they do a decent job. But I, I think from a, an employee, if you think of them as the, the brand ambassador, which they all should be, of the company they work for, IBM and others over the past few years said, you know, it's the customers aren't uh, loyal to a brand anymore. They're loyal to the experience itself. And you have about 2.3 tries at it before you lose the consumer's lifetime spend. So being able to extend the provision of the work-life balance and access and policies of PTO and flexibility of work and communication just elevates the employee to a different role. And then you add LMS and learning management with the new processes and even the upskilling your current staff to hire somebody in. It costs about on average 20 to 30 percent of the person's salary. But to train someone up internally, it's about 10 percent. And so it provides a career path and growth and investment in the associates, in the employees, so that we can turn this high turnover, part-time, disposable type of view into a career pathing and growing view because more and more retailers and hospitality companies are adding a lot more analysts and technical type positions to their operation. And, and there's a there's a need, uh, majority say that, yeah, that's, that's a big need that they need to continue to build.
So to your question, Bobby, the there's a magic moment between the customer and the employee that happens, whether it's you know digitally, virtually or not, but face-to-face is very important to where you don't have many chances to get it wrong. And the more that it's uh, that magic moment between the customer and the employee, and that really drives average ticket conversion and about a 05 to 3% lift in sales. When you optimize the right people to be available to that customer when and where they need it. What are you most excited about technology-wise, John, the next few years? What's, what's going what's gonna to continue to help uh, retailers evolve? I think one of the big things is to get all of the software providers and system providers, application providers to work together on their behalf. So really, as we continue to grow, to watch the extensibility of solutions to where everyone starts playing well together. You know, we've always mm-hmm. taken that approach because we don't, we don't control the ecosystem and we don't mandate it, you know, to our customers. We, we fit into it. And so I, th- I think one of the, we're going to see a lot more happening with extensibility to help not only release the bottleneck of that some experience with their own internal, you know, IT departments, which was expressed in our survey, but really just opening up the ecosystem and the marketplace to work together through, you know, API and extensibility areas to really, and even enable the, our customers to create their own, you know, versions of combinations of different technologies. Absolutely agree. John, that was a wealth of information. Thank you so much. Is there anything that I forgot to ask here that you want to make sure that our listeners know? Yeah, I think we covered most, most of it. The impact of, you know, workforce management for years was kind of viewed as more of an academic science, science project, if you will. And it was mm-hmm. over-engineered by everyone providing it too. But Probably a decade ago, it started shifting to more of a business profitability solution, not a cost reduction solution. And when we joined forces with Ceridian in 2012, we started seeing the bridge of HR or the convergence of HR operations and finance coming together on behalf of the business. It was no longer just an IT siloed thing. And so we've got uh, Robert Allison in a session in the, at NRF with VisionWorks. And, you know, it, it's just an example, uh, VP of HR and operations. And so you're starting to see that convergence, and ca- you know, of what used to be separate functional areas coming together on behalf of profitability and, and the people. Sounds good, John. Well, thank you again for all the expertise today. I appreciate it. Uh, before I let you go, what are, what are some fun things uh, as travel opens up again? What are some fun things to, to do or visit in Atlanta? We've been opened up. Uh, the downtown area is, is really bursting with activity with the Olympic Village and, of course, CNN's down there and Coke Museum. There's a lot of uh, art. I, I'm sure it's touring around. San, maybe it's already been in San Francisco, but the... Uh, the Van Gogh immersion experience. Have you gone to that? Yeah, it just got just got here. What? Yeah, I got to go to it. <laughs> yeah, that's something I I, I look forward to. I, I haven't uh, haven't been yet, but it looked pretty interesting. But you know, lakes and mountains, and we're only four hours from the beach, so it's uh, plenty to do here. Absolutely perfect, John. Well, thank you again for spending some time with us today. Appreciate it, and looking forward to staying connected here. All right, thank you, Bobby, very much. Enjoyed it. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.